0: Today, we are starting out a new year. Happy New Year, everyone. Today being January the 1st, 2019. It's really hard to believe that this is another year. And thanks be to the Lord for, for letting us all be together another year to study His Word. So... We'll start out. We're still in the book of Proverbs. We'll be studying Proverbs, verse uh, chapter twenty-five, and this one is a proverb of Solomon, but it's put together uh, by Hezekiah and uh, or some of his folks. Uh, Pro- Solomon probably delegated some of uh, these activities to them, but uh, nevertheless, these are still proverbs of Solomon. Uh, verse two. It's the glory of God to conceal things. But the glory of kings is to search things out. Interesting, isn't it? God God lets there be glory to himself. And for some things, he keeps hidden from us. Right? But it's to our glory that we try to search them out and learn. And these Proverbs are some of the things that we need to seek out and search out. It gives you kind of perspective on what we're even doing when we, as we're starting out the new year. We're trying to seek out the things of God. And why does God do that sometimes? Well, it's interesting because in every other facet, God gives um, the Christian believer, He gives us every single blessing. Remember when we studied Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 1? Every spiritual blessing is given to us already in the heavenly realms. Wow, isn't that amazing? God gives us every single spiritual blessing possible when we believe. That's all we have to do. We don't do anything. We haven't done anything for our salvation, and we haven't done anything for our um, righteousness. That's The salvation was done when Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins. And the righteousness that we have now is from His Holy Spirit that comes in us and dwells in us once we believe in Him. Our salvation was won on the cross. Our righteousness is already done. What do we have to do? We don't do anything. The wisdom that we have is ours to search out. So, we still have to depend on Him for learning how to walk in a Christian manner. We still have to depend on Him because we still have these, these unholy bodies that still make mistakes and we still fall down. <clears throat> but God keeps some things from us hidden. So, we still have to depend on Him. We still have to grow in Him. He wants us to be more like Him. So, it's His glory. that that some things are concealed. But it's to our glory to try to search it out. It's credit to us that we try to search out the things of God, the wisdom of God. Verse 3, As the heavens for height and the earth for depth, so the heart of kings is unsearchable. There are just some things that we don't know. The heavens are too high for us and the earth too deep. And so the hearts of kings is unsearchable. We can't know even what's in a king's heart sometimes because they do stuff we don't expect. Even today we don't don't know what's in the heart of these politicians. They do stuff that we don't know. Right? So even more than that are the things of God. The things too high for us to see and too unsearchable for us to know. Those are some of the mysteries of God. Now, some of the mysteries of God, God reveals if we just look in His Word. The gospel, the gospel message was one of those mysteries. But then it was revealed at the right time. But not one single person understood what Jesus was, why He was on earth and what He was doing on earth. And certainly they didn't understand that he was there to be sacrificed. Most of the people around him thought he was going to be taking over Israel as a new king. They were thinking in human terms, not godly terms. They were thinking like uh, on a human plan. And God's plans aren't human plans at all. And as we've seen through the Old Testament, God uses the rulers and, and even other countries who would come in and and uh, enslaved the nation of Israel time and time again because their hearts had fallen away from from the father in heaven so god uses all circumstances whether it's natural disasters or foreign kingdoms or rulers to do his will he's always pulling the strings he's always in control Verse 4, take away the dross from, from the silver, and the smith has material for a vessel. Take away the wicked from the presence of the king, and his throne will be established in righteousness. So you take out the impurities for silver, and the, 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 uh, the smith has material, pure material, metal, to pour in something in a mold to make something. You take away the wicked from the presence of the king and his throne will be in, enshrined in righteousness. Isn't that, <clears throat> isn't that so true? What a wicked person can do to everyone around them? It's like a, a rotten apple can spoil the whole barrel so quickly. And it's, and it's how important wickedness is to, to be rooted out. And wickedness cannot be in the presence of God. God cannot be in the presence of the wicked. And just as that's true, you have to watch your own behavior. Jesus Christ has already died for you. He's paid that price for for your wickedness and my wickedness. And we have access to him through our belief. But we can't take it for granted. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom. Remember, the Proverbs have been saying this all in all, all throughout the Proverbs. We have to be well aware of what wickedness can do. And we cannot, we can't tolerate it any more than the Father in heaven can tolerate it. You know, if he can't tolerate it, what do you think about us? We can't tolerate it. So there's no truth in saying, well, just a little bit of sin will be okay, or just a little bit of temptation will be okay. We have to have the same standard that our Father in heaven has. And that's why he wrote all this word down for us to understand how important it is for us to be pure of heart. And how important it does it is for us to keep our hearts centered on Christ. That's the proper response. Verse 6 <clears throat> Do not put yourself forward in the king's presence or stand in the place of the great. For it is better to be told, come up here, than to be put lower in the presence of a noble. And he's saying, again, he's giving you a picture of humility. This is the proper response of your heart when it's Christ centered, when it's God centered heart. Take a low position understand first spiritually speaking that we're all sinners. you got to take that low position first, humble yourself before your father in heaven because he knows how bad a sinner you already are. There's no there's no uh, uh, glory to you to try to come across better than you are or like you're a super Christian or like you've done a lot of good things. None of us do anything good. All the goodness comes from the Father in heaven. Jesus Christ has already done all the heavy lifting. The battle has already been won. So we need to have humble hearts as we approach the Father. We need to have humility as we approach one another. Just as Christ was humble before the Father and Christ was in all humility to us. That's a picture. And he puts us in a he puts this spiritual picture of Jesus Christ in a human picture that we can understand. How ridiculous it is to go before a king trying to put ourselves up, you know. Every one of us could see how what a bad position that is. But of course a lot of people make that same mistake. But he does it to show you the spiritual message too. Verse 8, what your eyes have seen do not hastily bring into court. For what will you do in the end when your neighbor puts you to shame? Don't start charging people too hastily. Okay? If you don't have the facts, if you don't know the whole story, if you haven't heard all the perspectives, don't start holding court on your own neighbor either. Don't start holding court on people try to listen and get all the facts first because what'll happen is sometimes when you judge people too rashly and you don't have the facts somebody can put you to shame too because they can they can tell you facts that you don't know we can't be the judge we can't it's not our job job to judge other people that's God's job and how can you be of humble heart when you also put yourself up to judge somebody else that's kind of an extension of humility if you if you bring your own pride in there your own pride so you can judge it the right way too hastily you set yourself up for falling too verse 9 argue your case with your neighbor himself and do not reveal another's secret If you got a problem, go to the person. It's much better to go to the person than try to talk about them. And don't, once you do have a private conversation, it's best not to talk about that conversation. Reveal somebody else's secrets. It makes you feel kind of glorious at first because you know something on somebody else or to give dirt on somebody else. But it, it removes the humility out of your heart when you do that. These are all examples, it, you know, of just a heart that's not humble. Lest he who hears you bring shame upon you and your ill repute have no end. You know, if you try to reveal somebody else's secret, if he hears about it, he'll start revealing all your secrets. And there you go. Just a war of words verse 11 a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in a setting of silver if you can find the right time to say the right thing it's like apples of gold in a setting of silver use your tongue for good not for not for slandering your neighbor or just gossiping or revealing somebody else's secret a word fitly spoken if you can say the right thing at the right time honestly there's nothing better because you're using your knowledge for something good that's what god wants us to do and that's what jesus always did he always found the right word to say at the right time And you notice how many times he could have called people out or rebuked them, but he didn't. He used a word fitly spoken to encourage, to teach, and to instruct. What a model that is, a word fitly spoken. How many parents... You know, when you're disciplining your child, you're yelling or you're screaming, you lose your temper or you're angry or you're having a a crossword with your husband or your wife or even your friends at work. It's a word not fitly spoken. And I've heard it said before that when we discipline our children, it's so much better to teach them first and then punish them second. That's discipline. That will cause discipline. In other words, discipline of character, not the act of the physical spanking or beating as as we sort of think of the word discipline, but to keep them disciplined in the Word of God. Usually every opportunity that you can to instruct your kids or anybody that you're around in the Word of God, that's a word fitly spoken, a word fitly spoken. Jesus was the word too. He was the word of God. He was the word and he spoke the word fitly. What a great little verse. First 12, like a gold ring or an ornament of gold is a wise reprover to a listening ear. Again, a wise reprover. It kind of goes along with a word fitly spoken, doesn't it? If you can rebuke somebody, if you can correct somebody gently to a listening ear, in wisdom, there's nothing better. It's like gold, solid gold. Just like a word fitly spoken, like solid gold apples. Nothing better. And isn't that humbling to know, like, do people really gravitate to what you say? Or maybe how you say it. Research says that people only really listen to about 10% of the content of what you say. About 90% is how you say it. It's a word, but fitly spoken. How you say it matters a lot too. It shows people where your heart is. Remember, all, some, all you have to do to know what's in somebody else's heart is just listen to what they say and how they say it. That reveals your heart. So if you can, if you can have a word fitly spoken on your tongue, it'll reveal your heart. So before you try to go out and and speak wisely, make sure your heart is centered on Christ. Verse thirteen: Like the cold snow in the time of harvest is a faithful messenger to those who sent, send him. He refreshes the soul of his masters. They used to bring snow, according to McGee, down from Mount Hermon in the time of harvest because the snow on the mountain was cold, and it would be cold and refreshing to those who were out working, you know, in the heat trying to harvest. Boy, isn't that good? Or even now, like a cold glass of ice water, or just something really good when you're you're hot and tired. A faithful messenger to those who sent him. If you're faithful... To people, that is so refreshing to the ones who send you. And to your Father in Heaven, just another example of what your Father in Heaven feels. It's that refreshing to have something cold and cool. It's just that refreshing. Just super-duper pleasant to the Father to watch His messengers be faithful When we're faithful to our Father in Heaven, who sends us, to Lord Jesus Christ, who sends us to proclaim His message, how refreshing we are in Father's sight. It's just a great example of the emotion of of our Father in Heaven. That's His emotion that He feels when we're faithful, when we're faithful messengers. Or like in Ephesians, where, when we're alert ambassadors. Verse 14, like the clouds and the wind without rain, is a man who boasts of a gift he doesn't give. You look up and you you think it's going to rain and it doesn't. All the expectations are, oh, thank goodness we're going to get some rain. But a man who just boasts with an empty tongue and an open mouth about stuff he's going to do and doesn't really care. Follow through on it. That's kind of what it sounds like. So, kind of guard your tongue. And if you're gonna, if you're gonna sort of boast, or you're gonna make these proclamations that you're gonna do something, make sure you follow through on it, cause people depend on that. And again, it's that back to that word fitly spoken. Verse sixteen: If you found honey, eat only enough for you, lest you have your fill of it or vomit it. Don't be a glutton. Verse 17, let your foot be seldom in your neighbor's house, lest he have his fill of you and hate you. Don't wear out your welcome among others. Be humble of heart, but also be humble in your presence. Verse 18, a man who bears false witness against his neighbor is like a war club or a sword or a sharp sharp arrow. False witness, God hates a false witness. Look what the false witnesses did to Jesus. They testified against him falsely. They were just liars. There's nothing good in a false witness. And it pierces you. When you hear somebody say something untrue, it just pierces you down to the marrow sometimes. And you just have to be aware of that. Be on your guard when you're around that, when people who are false uh, towards you. Verse 19, trusting in a treacherous man in time of trouble is like a bad tooth or a foot that slips. A treacherous man, a false witness, someone who boasts but never follows through. Like Judas, Judas was an example but someone that you can't trust. And just the opposite, Jesus Christ is not a false witness. Jesus Christ is only the truth. And as Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 6, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. He is truth. His words that we're reading right here are true. None of these proverbs can be be disproven. This is wisdom. This, these words are for us to, to glean from, not only see the character of God, but also glean from His character and His wisdom. We'll drop down to verse 21. If your enemy is hungry, give him bread to eat. And if he is thirsty, give him water to drink. For you will heap burning coals on his head, and the Lord will remind, reward you. Jesus was saying these words too illustrating that you need to love your enemies. Someone tries to steal something from you, give him your coat as well. And if, in other words, love is greater than hatred. Love conquers all. You've got to love your neighbor. Give him something to drink. And if your action's out of love, help him. Help him see the goodness of God in you, you might win him. You might win his soul for Christ. If he doesn't, then he'll just he'll just reject God's love, God's goodness, and it's just sort of that spiritual analogy of heaping his own coals on his own head when he doesn't uh, when he doesn't acknowledge the love that you give which is God's love to him. You're not there to win the battle. You're not there to win his heart. That's the Holy Spirit's job. That's God's job. You're there is just you're there to show him love. That's what our job is. Just like Jesus Christ showed us love. First 23, the north wind brings forth rain and a backbiting tongue, angry looks. The northern winds were not the source of the usual rain in Israel or in Palestine. That didn't come from the north. And when it did, the rain usually caused a lot of damage. It usually was a s- more stormy. And that's what a backbiting tongue or angry looks can do. you got to be aware to guard your tongue. And if somebody uh, is your enemy... You know, it comes after verse 21. If somebody's your enemy and you try to love love them or you try to give them water to drink, water could be spiritual water, water could be the Word of God. you got to be aware that um, what they might say about you or look at you, you've got to be aware of that. Be on your guard of that. Be the alert ambassador that Ephesians 6 talks about. Because a backbiting tongue can cause a lot of damage. Verse 24, It's better to live in a corner of the housetop than a house shared with a quarrelsome wife. Again, another another, um, warning about how our tongues can cause so much trouble. If you're If you have a wife that, just as an example of a wife that just quarrels all the time, how terrible that is. Hold your tongue. And she might be quarrelsome with what the husband's doing. You never know. It's not, we could go into that. But if you're the husband, make sure that you invest in your wife. Invest in what she needs from you. She needs the love and support and the leadership from you. God gives you the authority to serve her in the role of a leader, but in the role of a a servant leader, just as Jesus was a servant leader. He came to lead, but he led by serving. And that's the leadership role that God gives to husbands. So maybe the wife is angry because the husband is not leading uh, from a servant position. Now, if the wife apparently is just quarrelsome when the husband is trying to lead from a, a servant position, then that's, that's, uh, that's her. That's on her. There's more... Uh, in, uh, in as we've studied Ephesians, about one of the mysteries of God was the relationship with the husband and the wife. It's amazing. God gives the... Um, Jesus Christ gave the authority to the Father in heaven, just like the wife gives the authority to the husband. So that model between husband and wife is just like between the Father in heaven and the Lord Jesus. They are both equal. Jesus is equal to God. They're both equal. But Jesus Christ gave that authority to the Father in heaven. So just like the husband and wife, they're both equal. They become one flesh, one spiritual flesh. They're both equal. But The wife gives that authority to the husband to be the leader. And the husband takes that authority to be the servant to the wife. It's it's been described in Ephesians as one of the mysteries, another one of the mysteries of God, is marriage. Verse 25, like cold water to a thirsty soul, so is good news from a far country. You know, and we talked about that cold water a minute ago, too. Like the cold snow at the time of harvest is the faithful messenger to those who send him. Okay, Just like the faithful messenger to those who send him like the Father in heaven is so refreshing to the Father. And now, the cold water is so refreshing to the workers in the field. You know, to those being sent, they hear good news from a far far country. So that's cold water to a thirsty soul is the good news. When we hear the good news from Jesus Christ, the gospel of Christ from a far country, Jesus Christ himself brought that good news like cold water, like living water. Jesus described himself as living water. He was probably going back to these proverbs but it's like living water cold water to a thirsty soul so is the good news his gospel message from a far country from heaven coming to us so it's an it's sort of a it's like the gospel is that cold water of refreshment to us when we hear the gospel message of Christ but it's also when we are faithful when we are faithful. When we are faithful, we're like that cold refreshment to those who send us. Okay, so isn't that kind of neat? How um, verse 13 is just a beautiful reflection of verse 25. We refresh, we bring refreshment to the Father in heaven. When we are faithful to those who send us. And Jesus Christ in the same way. That was the same model that he used when he came with living water as refreshment to our thirsty souls. So I hope these proverbs today were helpful to you and encouraging. Certainly was to me. And, um,. Um, my just as a footnote, my co-host Matali is uh, still um, with family and traveling in Zambia. So as soon as Matali is able to, we'll get Matali back on the podcast as well. So our thoughts and our prayers go out to Matali. I hope you're doing well. If you're listening, uh, regards and love to everyone there back in Zambia, and for me to all of you, God bless you. Keep your hearts centered.